I say thank you to the leadership of the Belleville Seventh-day Adventist Church for the invitation to preach here today. Thank you also to Brother Vernon Crouch for that powerful prayer, the right prayer for our times that we live in. Thank you also to Heidi. And as I always say, Heidi, when you sing, you bring a calmness in me. You wouldn't know before Heidi sang how I shiver here at the back, but now I'm calm. <laughs> this is not the first time that I'm preaching the sermon. I have preached it before, but I reworked it for the Belleville Church. And I trust that the Holy Spirit has prepared your hearts to receive this message. The title of my sermon is In Search of True Christians. In Search of True Christians. Alexander the Great, after conquering many kingdoms, was returning home. But on the way, he fell ill. And his illness took him to his deathbed. With death staring him in the face, Alexander realized how his conquests his great army, his sharp sword, and all his wealth were of no consequence. He now longed to reach home to see his mother's face and bid his last farewell. But he had to accept that his health would not allow him to reach his homeland. So while he was laying there helplessly, waiting to breathe his loss, he called his generals and said, I will depart from this world soon, but I have three wishes. And I would like you, when I'm here no more, to follow these three wishes. My first wish is that only the doctors, my doctors, my care, must carry my coffin. And after a pause, he continued and he said, My second wish is that when my coffin is carried to the grave, the path leading to the graveyard must be strewn with gold, silver, and precious stones which I've collected in my treasury. By this time, he felt exhausted 
took a minute's rest and then he continued. My third and last wish is that both my hands must be kept dangling out of my coffin. Those generals who surrounded him couldn't understand why the strange wishes, but no one dared to ask him. So they asked his favorite general to go and ask Alexander the Great the meaning of these three death wishes. Alexander the Great told him, I would like the world to know of these three lessons I've just learned. I want the doctors to carry my coffin because people should realize that they are powerless and cannot save a person from the clutches of death. So people should not take life for granted. The second wish of strewing gold, silver, and other riches on the path to the graveyard is to tell people that not even a fraction of gold will come with me. I spent all my life greedy for power, earning riches, but cannot take anything with me. Let people realize that it is sheer waste of time to chase wealth. My third wish of having my arms and hands dangling out of my coffin. I wish people to know that I came empty-handed into this world and empty-handed I go out of this world. Against this message, you will find the message of E.G. White to young people, page 100. And she writes the following, and I quote, a character formed according to the divine likeness is the only treasure that we can take from this world to the next. It's only your character. Those who are under the instructions of Christ in this world will take every divine attainment with them to the heaven dimensions. And in heaven, we are continually to improve. How important is the development of character in this life? She continues by saying that a good character is worth more than silver or gold. In conversations with his disciples on the eve of his crucifixion, the focus of Jesus was that his disciples and we as his followers will pursue his character. That we as true Christians commit ourselves to the development of our character to become the true Christians he wants us to be. Have you noticed the world today is in search of the true Christians 
Those who reflect the character of Christ, whether at work, at home, with your friends, or in difficult situations that we might find ourselves. Because you see, it is in those difficult situations that we face that our true character comes to the fore. But what do we understand about this Christian character? Andy Stanley in Louder Than Words give us a biblical definition of character, and I quote, Character is the will to do what is right as defined by God, despite personal costs. The true Christian will do what is right regardless of the situations they find themselves in. It's not always easy to do what is right when it will cost you. It is not easy to, to do right when no one will know but you. But it is in these moments that our characters, true Christians, come to the fore. John Maxwell, in his book, The 21 Indispensable Qualities of a Leader, tells the story of Bill Lear. Now, Bill Lear is the designer of the Lear Jets. And it is these jets that the rich people used to fly all over the world. And it was in 1964, he had already produced up to 150 aircrafts. But two of his planes fell to the ground under very strange circumstances. Leah immediately requested that all his planes be grounded. His engineers started working on the problem to try and find what caused those two planes to fall to the ground. And after a few days, they came back and said they had solved the problem. But Belia decided to test the planes himself. And during the flight, the same problem occurred, which almost cost him his life. He was able to solve the problem with the design of a new part. But this is the most telling part. Maxwell said the following regarding Berlia. Lear's decision cost him a lot of money and almost his life, and planted seeds of doubt in potential, potential customers' mind, but he never regretted it for one minute. He was willing to risk his success, his fortune, and even his life to discover and fix the problem, but not his integrity, and that defines character. You define your character when you make a decision, a Christ-centered decision. Throughout the history of the Bible, we see that faithful servants of the Lord took decisions according to his will and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
Margaret Jensen observed that our character today, our character today is the result of the decisions we took yesterday. And that our character of tomorrow is the result of our decisions today. In developing our characters for the heavenly kingdom, let our decisions for of today be Christ-centered decisions. It is then that we pursue the character of Christ. John Andley Stanley, joining John Andley Stanley, Martin Bond, Barnard defines character as a life, as a dedicated life characterized by love for God. He continues by asking, how many times have you not decided for yourself what is good and right and not bow down to God's standards? How many times have we used, but everyone does it, or just this once as an excuse to do what we want to do instead of what the Lord says? We would rather bend the truth or stay silent because what we want to say might make us unpopular. Maybe someone will be angry with me if I tell the truth. Perhaps it is better that we agree with the group, the society, because we do not want to stand out as followers of Christ. The challenge today is to be transformed from within. The transformation of our character in preparation for the heavenly kingdom can only be brought about by the actions of the Holy Spirit and our willpower to change. So allow God to work within us through the guidance of his Holy Spirit. There will be cracks in our character. And it's these cracks that Satan will try to exploit because he knows your weaknesses. Small cracks start to arise. When we, for example, take photocopy papers at work without the necessary consent, take a pencil at school for the children, the grandchildren, without the necessary permission. And you know, when you take a thing at, at work without the necessary permission, you steal. There's no doubt about that one. But this also includes positions of others that we knowingly not return to those persons, but we permanently borrowed it from them. <laughs> and when you look at that thing, that's at your house. You know it belongs to Auntie Susie or Uncle Clement, but you have not returned that thing. You are stealing brothers. There's no doubt about that one. 
In Job 1 verse 8, God asked Satan, and my servant Job, have you noticed him? My is the possessive noun that indicates position. God owns Job as his possession, and he calls him by his name and gives him a high and honorable report. My servant says, God is not a servant of Satan, not a servant of man who lives according to his lust and his own will, not a servant of sin, but God's servant through his creation is a chosen one through his salvation and grace, is one who voluntarily surrenders to Jesus, is one who is constantly obedient to God. Let us look at ourselves today and ask, to whom do we belong? If the answer is to Jesus, Jesus tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20, you are my ambassadors. You are my ambassadors on this earth. The president of this country extends an invitation to a person to act as an ambassador for the country. And upon the acceptance of the invitation, the person is first exposed to various lectures and the taking of a test that they must pass. It is important that the person is rooted in the values and expectations of the president. That ambassador is the president's representatives in another country, his envoy. We must have a deep knowledge of Jesus because we are his ambassadors who must reflect his character on this earth. How's your relationship with Jesus Christ? Because your character will be formed by your relationship you have with Jesus Christ. In the further reading of verse 8, God describes the character of Job. The word sincere has a positive sound as further illustrated in the following synonyms as indicated in the family word finder, namely, honest, principled, reliable, ethical, humble, unfeigned faith. E.G. White indicates that the world today is in no way better than the period of Noah for the development of a Christian character. The evil was so widespread that God indicated, I will wipe away the man I created from the earth. But Noah was pardoned by the Lord. Noah was upright and walked with God. Noah was a delight to his creator. Just like Noah, we must live our lives in such a way that it is pleasing to God and a blessing for other people. Have you noticed it has become common in our societies that we get court judgments where, le where leaders are labeled by the court as persons who are dishonest with a lack of integrity? On February 2020, the spiritual leaders of the country met with the president, and one of the main concerns was the decline 
in the moral values in our society. Now is the stage when looking for, when the world is looking for Christians who love sincerely. Are you a true Christian? It is because our actions reveal our character as true Christians that I would like us to ponder on the following 10 actions, and some of you might have more. But for this sermon, I only looked at 10 actions whereby we can live as true Christians. Number one, Christians whose morning and evening talks would match. An Afrikaans tested it by a moy. Your ochant and your aunt prikis, but were in with them. Christians whose actions in front of others match their behavior behind the scenes in their private lives. I cannot come to church and pretend that I'm a true Christian. And when I go home, my, li my life is totally different. Brothers and sisters, if we do that, then our life is actually a farce. And our children, our family members will notice that. Christians whose words and actions do not contradict each other's. Christians who do what they say and say what they do. Therefore, others can trust them. What a shame it is when our children, our family members, our colleagues cannot trust us. Christians who are willing to die as ambassadors for Jesus for a position that they have taken in. To be sincere as Christians is to not to make promises we cannot keep. And here I want to share you a story that has still left a deep scar in my personal life. And when I tell the story, I know I normally can be, become very emotional. My wife and I were traveling in Craddock, and I received a call from our gardener, his name was Pierre. And Pierre called me Mailani. Called me, phoned Mailani. I'm in need of some money. I said to Pierre, Pierre, I'm traveling in Craddock now, but I'm slowly making my work my way home. I'll be at home on Monday. 
and then I will bring the money around to you the Monday evening. I arrived home on Monday, the good time. I didn't go around to Pierre on the Monday to take the money around to him. I didn't go around on Tuesday. I went around to Pierre on Wednesday morning. Pierre passed away that Tuesday evening. It's a moment that I will never forget in my life. You see, I have made a promise to Pierre, and I didn't keep my promise. Let us never make a promise to our children, our family, our friends, to God that we don't keep. It's a lesson that I've learned in my life that I don't want to repeat. And when I come to this part of the sermon, it still reminds me that as a true Christian, as a person pursuing the character of Jesus, Never, never to make a promise that you cannot keep. Let us excel in what we do, because through that, we glorify Christ. If it is your duty to sing in church, act like you have a doctorate in sacred music. If we are sincere, we will fulfill our responsibilities, even if it is to our own detriment. Number nine, be honest with yourself. Do not rationalize your mistakes and constantly come up with excuses. Number 10, Every time we choose the right path, we become stronger in Christ, even if that decision or behavior is not easy. Despite the circumstances we, in which we live, let our character always show to whom we belong as it is a pleasure for Christ and a blessing for our fellow men. Christ is saying to each one of us today, you are mine. God bless.